I want you to know that I love, I do, I love Christmas. I love, I love the trappings of Christmas. I like Christmas lights and songs. I start listening to Christmas music in October because December is way too short to cram in all the good stuff. Um, and so I like to listen to Christmas music a lot longer than many. Um, trees, lights, presents, shopping uh, if I'm not in a line. Peppermint ice cream with hot fudge. If you're in the club, you know. You know what that's about, right? All of those things. I also like Christmas because it is, I think, uh, ahead of most other holidays, an opportunity to reflect. Uh, People don't hit the 4th of July and, and reflect as deeply, I don't think, as we do at Christmas. We come to Christmas and, um, for most of us anyway, we think a bit uh, beyond presents and lights and things like that. And we think about uh, the last year a bit and how our lives have changed for the good or not so good. Uh, We think about the last year maybe in terms of mistakes we've made or mistakes others have sure made, let me tell you. Uh, Sometimes we think back to people who aren't with us anymore for one reason or another, an empty chair. Sometimes there are painful things to reflect on. Also, at the holidays, we look ahead, I think, and we wonder what the next year will hold. I do that as well. I put ornaments on a tree, and I remember um, where that came from and what my life was like when we got it, or others that are more theme-driven that cause me to, to wonder what the future holds a hope or a dream, and will God ever fulfill that? And I I think about those things. You probably do too. Uh, Tonight, I'd like to, with that as a backdrop, I want to visit two little parts of the Bible. I I won't be talking for a long time, but I just want to grab a couple of things from these two texts for us to think about this evening. So first, I'm in Matthew Chapter 1, there are four um, Gospels. They're called Gospel Stories. They tell the story of Jesus. And Matthew is one of those. And so a little part here that talks about uh, the birth of Jesus. So uh, here's what we see. It says this. uh, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Um, But as he was considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah, may I say. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, a couple of things uh, from that text. Uh, we often think about Joseph and Mary being betrothed, and we quickly say, oh, that's like they're engaged. And and it's like, but not like, okay? Every culture has its own way of doing this. And in this setting, a betrothal was a lot more than an engagement. And so to break it took more 
than what we would say breaking an engagement. All you have to hear, do here is say, give me the ring back. And you, you know, here's the ring. And cancel the website and the party's over, right? No more engagement. But, but back then, a betrothal was a bigger deal. So that's why it says Joseph resolved to divorce her quietly. It was a big deal to become betrothed. And it was also a big deal to break it. So when people were betrothed, it was, you could call them husband and wife, even though they're not together yet. It was that serious. And so to break it was a big deal. And here they're betrothed, and, and Mary comes and says, So Joseph, I'm going to have a baby. And, and this angel talked to me. And Joseph's a great guy. I mean, he is. And, and Joseph's going, Mary, I, 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 I mean, I so want to believe this. But he hasn't heard from God yet when he hears that, first of all. And Mary, an angel, an angel, an angel. Wow. The word starts to get around. You know how these things go. So it was very kind of God to send this angel to say, hey, Joseph, what she said is true. But here's, here's what I want to just grab from this text. This, this, um, this element of maybe a little impropriety followed Jesus. Okay? So this, this, this idea that something funny took place and he was maybe born out of wedlock and hushed it up. It followed him all of his life, really. In fact, you find, you find hints of it through the Gospels. One of those is the Gospel of John, where Jesus is in a conflict with some of the religious leaders who, anyway, we'll talk about them in a minute. But, but, um, and he's, they're kind of talking about things, and, and they said to him as a kind of an answer back, uh, we were not born in fornication. See, so they're pressing on that 30 years later. Here's my point. Jesus, even in his birth, uh, allowed himself to enter the world of shame. Isn't that interesting? Shame is a deal, isn't it? Uh, sometimes we, we hide it. Sometimes we feel it. Um, I remember as a, as a kid, it used to be a thing that parents said to their kids. Like when you did something wrong, they'd say, shame on you. I always thought, man, that's awful. Just spank me or something already. But shame, shame, no, not that. Shame is like a frowny face. And it is, isn't it? Because some of us have known shame. Sometimes we feel shame for things we've done or said. Sometimes things we've done that other people know or we're afraid they'll find out. Sometimes shame attends those who have had things done to them. And they feel responsible, so they carry shame. And I'm just saying Jesus entered this world of shame here at the very beginning. And of course, later in his death, he allowed himself as he left the glory of heaven and became God in the flesh, God in human body. He entered a world where there was shame attached all the way through his life. Isn't that interesting? If you're a person who at times feels shame or you know that road, um, Jesus entered that world. And then, of course, died on a cross for it. We'll talk about that. Well, I want to shift then with that, that, just that part from this text. I want to go to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, 
where there's a, there's a similar moment. Now, this, we're jumping ahead in the story a long ways from the night that Jesus was betrayed or, or betrayed, born as a baby and the things uh, about that. We're going ahead to his life, oh, 30 years later or, or thereabouts. He's a grown man now. He's, he's teaching people and, and healing people, all these things that you read about in the Gospels. And I'm going to tell more of this section in John 5 than I am going to read it. But they're in, the, in, they're in Jerusalem, and there's this place, okay? There's this pool where a lot of people who, who had physical ailments hung out, okay? Uh, so it says here in the text, there's this pool where the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed would, it says a multitude of them, where they were. Now, in our, in our uh, culture, we understand people with those circumstances, and we care for them. We have systems to help them. Back in those days, it was very common to think that if you had a problem like that, it was the result of sin. Somebody did this, like you or your parents. And so like in the Gospel of John chapter 9, a little later in the book, there's this guy who was born blind, and people asked Jesus, who sinned, this guy or his parents, that he was born blind? So these people that are blind and lame and paralyzed, there's kind of a stigma attached. There's, there's shame attached. Okay? They survive by begging. There's no social program for them. You better hope you have family who will come by and, and help you. Now, it says here, there's one of these men who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. I don't know if you think deeply as you read a story like that. Now, it doesn't say if he was 38 years old. It just says he was an invalid for 38 years. Maybe something happened when he was younger. But for 38 years, he was lying there begging in this shame-filled place with no hope. It's what you're going to do. Merry Christmas. You get to stay right there till you die. Wow. Now, Jesus is walking among them. He is. He's walking among shame-bearing people. And he sees this guy, and he comes over, and they talk. See, Jesus did this. He, he, he walked with normal people, hurting people, people who were, who were looked down upon, who were covered with shame or imperfection, we would say, or they would say. Jesus walked among them, and he says to this guy who's been there for 38 years, this, this really interesting question. He says, do you want to be healed? Uh, other translations, ver- other Bible versions say, do you want to be made well? Now, you might think, well, that's kind of a dumb question, but it isn't. It's a very insightful question. It's the same thing you would ask of someone who is struggling with all kinds of problems. Do you want to move past this? In this case, 38 years, all he's known is lying there. He hasn't have a, doesn't have a resume. He doesn't, hasn't had a job in 38 years. He's just there. So if Jesus heals him, he's got to get up and do very frightening things like go to work or enter relationships or live somewhere else and and not have his hand out to say, please give me food. So do you want to be made well? Do you want to enter a world you don't know about? That's a very big question. Do you really want to, to move past this? Do you really want to move past that 
place of shame. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus walks with him. Now, as the story goes on, conversation and so on, and Jesus, Jesus heals him. Amazing. I mean, who else can do that? Only Jesus, the Bible tells us, can heal a person, move him from a place of being crippled, we would say, or a shame-filled place. Only Jesus can move him forward. Only Jesus could help him. He really needed the touch of Christ at that moment. Now, um, the other part of the story here, this happens on the Jewish Sabbath, okay? Now, Sabbath was a day of rest planned by God. It was a gift. Uh, Now, people had come along and added rules to where it wasn't a gift any longer. It was like this awful burden. You you walked too far. You did this too much. And all these rules that people added, it was intended to be a gift from God. Take a break, baby. Sit down. 24 hours. Just rest. It was a gift. Well, people got mad because Jesus healed this guy on the Sabbath, thinking it was really hard for God in the flesh, like he worked. Yeah, not so much. If you can create the world, you can kind of heal the guy without working too hard. But they were getting all over Jesus because he worked, I guess. He broke the Sabbath. And and here's here's the thing. There's this paragraph that I'm going to read, and it's just full of the kind of theology that people write really big books about. And we're not going to do that tonight. I'm just going to grab a couple things. All right? So Jesus is responding to these people who are, it says that they're trying to kill him because he broke their rules. Jesus did have a tendency to break human rules. He, he kind of did that often. Kind of poked him. Oh, watch this. He could have healed the guy three, you know, three days before, but he went, hey, I'm going to wait till Sabbath. Just watch this. And then he does it. It's like instigating. Well, Jesus, I, really, I think so. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees God the Father doing. So he's talking about what this relationship between God the Father and Jesus, God the Son, the Trinity, these things that are mysterious to us. We try to wrap our minds around it. That's what he's talking about here. He says, whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Now watch this. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Isn't that amazing? Um, The Father raises the dead, gives them life, so the Son, this is Jesus, gives life to whom he will. And I, I love, I love that, that statement. He is a life giver. And I, I, you find places where Jesus raises the literally dead, Lazarus, John 11. But Jesus also says in John 10, I've come to give you life. And you can have it to the full. And I, and I, and I kind of wonder if this text is also about the son gives life, um, even to those who are just dead in other ways. Know what I mean? Maybe those shame-covered people, hopeless people, 38 years, no hope. It'll never improve. I will die first before this is, is fixed. The son gives life to whom he will. Now, he goes on, For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, 
but has passed from death to life. Now, Jesus says, now you, this is important, to, especially in today's world, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Um, sometimes people, and I realize we come from different places, thinking about faith. I get it. I do, really. Um, this text is really clear on something that, that often people think about. People sometimes say, I'm spiritual, not really a Christian, or I, I want to connect with God, but I really don't like Jesus. This text tells you that if you want to get to God, you can't bypass Jesus. You can't. You can't. It says, whoever does not honor the Son doesn't honor the Father. So if you want to get to God the Father, you go through the Son. So somebody who says, I like God, but not so much Jesus, that option is taken off the table here. See? Sometimes people get uncomfortable with Jesus. So here, the, here Jesus says very clearly, if you don't honor him, you don't honor the Son, you're, you're not honoring the Father who sent him. And then he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. You know, the Bible says a lot about judgment, accountability before a God, the living God, a God who is there. Even somebody who says, I- I'm just not sure he's really there. The Bible says there will be a day that you'll know he is. It might be too late at that point because it'd be standing before him. But there will be a day you believe it, okay? Hopefully sooner rather than too late. So that person who believes him, Jesus said, does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Now, here, here's, the, here's kind of where that's going. Christmas time, we think about a baby in a manger. Babies are cool. Babies smell good uh, often, <laughs> periodically. They can <laughs> They grow up. They do. Jesus did. He grew up. He lived a perfect life. And the Bible says that after those years of teaching and preaching and so on, healing the sick and raising the dead, that he he was crucified on a cross. We think about that at Good Friday and Easter time. So Christmas is part of that bigger story. It's easy to love Christmas and not think so much about the other end of it. But Jesus came for that purpose so that he could die on this cross. And the Bible tells us this. You got to know this. Jesus, when he died on the cross, was a substitute for us. He was paying a penalty that we deserve because we've done things that offend God. We have, sometimes on purpose. Sometimes we call them mistakes. I didn't mean to, just did it by mistake. Some people think it's all a mistake. I didn't mean to do anything bad. But come on, yeah, you did. Sometimes you said it and you meant it. You thought about it for days, and then you said it. It was a zinger, and it was wonderful, but it was awful. It was sin. So the whole, uh, I never meant, it was all just mistakes. I make mistakes. Like, yeah, no, it's worse than that. And also, the Bible says that not only are the things you say and do that you shouldn't sin, the Bible says that the good stuff you should have done and you didn't, that that's sin too. For example, the biggest sin of all. You ready? The great commandment says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your, all, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So the first, love the Lord your God with everything you have all the time, every beat of your heart. I think of him first, not me. So how are you doing on that? Yeah, yeah, I know, not well. So at the end of the day, every time my heart beats, and it's about me first, 
it's a sin because I, I broke the first commandment again and again. And I do that a lot. Because like you, the me part of my life is really big. I don't always love the Lord my God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So Jesus was a substitute. He paid the price for my offenses against God. He was a substitute. He, he was the only one who could pay a price. You can't pay it by being nice. You're not nice enough. Okay, really? Um, we, we mess it up. So Jesus was a substitute. He died on the cross in our place. Wow. To satisfy that debt that we owe before God. The Bible says he died on the cross in our place, rose from the dead. Absolute proof that the Father accepted that sacrifice. And the Bible says he's coming again. Well, all of this, just to pull it all together, Jesus entered a world that was broken, shame-filled. He allowed shame to be wrapped around him from the time he was first born. He walked among shame-bearing people. And then he went to a cross, which was a shameful death in a lot of ways. Shameful place. And there he paid the price for you and for me. So as you think about Christmas um, and a broken world, you think about a Savior who came. Okay? Think about a Savior who came to pay a price for you. You and I, I don't have to think very hard to think about broken things. Yeah, I don't have to think very hard. There's a lot of broken things. There's broken people. It's not just broken systems. People like to think about broken systems. That's the least of my worries. I think more about broken people. See, broken people. Um, the, 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 the sting of sin and death. Um, my mind tonight goes to broken things and people and families. My mind goes to a hospital room a few miles from here where one of our guys who's going to be 85 tomorrow, is very close to being with Jesus. Okay? His wife called me a few hours ago to say it's really close. Really close. So, on a Christmas night that we celebrate a baby, you know, this thing called life just flies by. My mind goes to a friend, a dear friend, mom, young mom, 40s, couple kids, brain tumor, brain cancer. Oh, she's my friend. Bad news. Bad news on, the, on how it all turned out. It's chemo, radiation, hope for remission. Oh, wow. What will the year hold for you ahead? What will you think about tonight as you look at a Christmas tree and exchange gifts? How will our lives be different in a year? Who won't be among us? We have a Savior. And he gives me hope. Hope for this life and hope for the next. I hope you know him. I hope you know him. On what else would you base your hope? I want to pray for us here, and then I'll say a word about how we're going to kind of close the night. But let me pray for us here first. Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that at Christmas time, we just year after year get to come again to this rustic stable where a baby was born, attended by shame and shepherds. The glory of God breaking into that night, yes. Glory to follow. Healing the sick, raising the dead. 
and then dying on a cross for me, for me. For each one here, thank you, Father, for this. Thank you for sending a Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, for bearing our sin and our shame on that cross. Thank you for this. Help us to understand it. Help us to believe it. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen.